Jono, Tommy, I'm going to give you a phrase, okay? And I want you to give me an example sentence that includes that phrase and puts it in context for what it means, okay? Jono, we're going to start with you. Time is on my side. Well, at least time is on my side, if nothing else. (laughs) Yeah, fine, great. Let's keep I'm it loose. I'm so glad John went first. I had no idea what you were talking about. Yeah, okay, I thought I I'd start I'm with that. Going, yeah. Right, Tommy, your turn. <laughs> okay. Turn back the hands of time. Turn back the hands of time and imagine you are a teenager again. Brilliant. Jono, back to you. A whale of a time. Ah, uh, when we got the inflatables out, just had a whale of a time. Was there an inflatable whale amongst oh. those? Who knows? Who knows? Lovely. Thank you, Johnny. Tommy, only time will tell. Oh, he's lost eight tasks. Can he go any further? Only time will tell. That's great. A little reference back to The Apprentice. And finally, it's one for me. And the phrase is time well spent. Got it. Investing in something of quality that will endure a lifetime can be time well spent. And so let me tell you about Marlowe Watch Company, creators of British-designed mechanical watches and sponsors of this podcast. With Marlowe, each collection of watches is influenced by a historical story of inspiring human endeavour. And not only are they pleasing to the eye, they're reassuring to hold and to wear. Visit marlowwatchcompany.com to see for yourself. And if you're looking for reassurance elsewhere, you'll find the words quality and value come up time and again in independent online reviews. Marlowe Watch Company. Time well spent. One of the bits of philosophy was like, no one is as smart as everyone together, right? Like you can sit at your desk banging your head against a problem, but you're much better leveraging all of the learnings and the techniques that everybody has done through history in all these different ways. And that's what this method was trying to distill. Imagine you had millions of smart little people. They'd run into the bristles and they'd use their little hands to individually grab all the little bits and they'd take those away. I actually often think that, you know, like you can just clear your desktop on, on, online. I'm like, my God, I wish I could just press a button and just clear my desktop for real. <laughs> Do you know who I picture when we're talking about smart little people? Have you seen Toy Story? Yes, the army. Yeah, army figures. Yeah. And the way that I think about smart little people interacting is the way those army figures communicate with each other as well. Where there's the sergeant who's dishing out the orders. Exactly right, that. come on, guys. Do this. Hello and welcome to Sketchplanations, the podcast. A bright, crisp drive, exploring fanciful, gigantic hypotheses in juicy, kind, lemony morsels. Notwithstanding our podcast, quick, ready stories to unwind very well. Xylophones yearn zigzags. I'm Rob Bell. A bit crude. Don't ever forget, guru, high intellect, John O'Hay, knowledgeable. Let me nudge our puzzling quintessential rascal, Super Tom Pellero. <laughs> this unique visualisation will extract your senses. How are you both? Confused. What? Any idea what was, was going on there? I was trying to think of a, a, a yes, I'm fine. Thank you. Beginning it with an A. Yeah. Oh, clever. It was, it was very clever. Yeah. I've never heard anybody do that before. Well, I was trying to find a name for it because, as we know, with many of the words and kind of uh, what like alphabetical antics, I've kind of seen them uh, referred to as. You've done quite a few sketches on these things. Um, uh, you've done one on anadiplosis. You've done one on a capitonym. Um, all the other ones, things, homonyms, homographs, homophones, heteronyms, all this kind of stuff. There's loads of sketches on it, but I couldn't find a name for that where you write. A sentence or a phrase or a um, group In of sentences. Successive alphabetical letters or letters yes. of the alphabet. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't find a name. It's because everybody has to say your senses when they get to the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> I did find some other uh, examples, if you'd like to hear them. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. They do make a bit more sense than the one I did. It, it, it feels to me like what you have to do is work back from what you're going to finish your Z word with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or Z or X. Yeah. Uh, so I found this one on, what did you say that? Quora? Quora? Quora, yeah. Quora. This is by a chap called Ken Saladin. Any botanist can describe ecological factors governing horticultural innovatives. Just knowing limited magnesium, nitrogen or phosphate quantitative requirements, some thoroughly understand very wild xerophytic yellow zinnias. Wow. Very clever. Yeah. 
not very practical, but very clever. And another one that I, I quite liked was on the uh, the fountainpennetwork.com by someone called Jar. And again, the subject of this is, uh, I think, defined by a word later on. A besotted camel departed early Friday going home. I just kept laughing merrily, noting one person quickly responded, See that undulating, voyaging wasteland Zebek yonder zooms. And I'm assuming Zebek with an X is maybe a collective word for animals like camels? I don't know. It is actually something, I don't know. Yeah. That's mad. It's a mad no thing to do. No name for it, though. No rem- name for it. I remember reading this um, news article. I can't... I, before the days you could just find it back on the BBC um, and it was somebody found a book uh, in their attic where you know, somebody a member of their family had written the whole book with words beginning with W <laughs> the whole book yeah and like what? that wouldn't be that spectacular except it was like 5,000 words long or something like that <laughs> all of it beginning with W is not bad actually you can uh, you can you can spin quite a lot uh, long sentences with W <laughs> Give it a try. Will we uh, walk whilst waiting? No, whilst waiting. That's right. But, but yeah, that's the idea. I think uh, it was a story about a whale, as uh, I might yes. imagine. <laughs> <laughs> who could, Very clever. Who could whisper and wink? Another thing I did find is called a pangram. Have you heard of a pangram before? Yes, but I've forgotten what it is. It's a phrase or a sentence that uses every letter in the alphabet. Yeah. There's another word for those. And that apparently the one that most people know is the quick brown yes. fox jumps over a lazy dog. Have you heard yeah, that before? That's something? for typing, isn't it? That's that's what you do the the typing oh. practice. Oh, there you go. Talk, talking of um like jobs and stuff, you know, this the alphabetical antic of using every letter consecutively in, at the beginning of words in a sentence. It kind of feels like there's something that you'd get given for homework yeah. to do at school. Like, I don't know, third year English or something. And as a kid, you'd be going home, this is rubbish. Can't believe I've been given this. But as an adult, you'd be like, oh, that sounds quite fun. <laughs> I mean, do you, do you get quite involved in the kids' homework sometimes? Like, oh, this is brilliant. And, and they leave you to it because uh, you're having a great time. The, um, the, the Jack's just going through his exams at the moment. So doing a lot, he's doing a lot of practice papers and things like that. So, and the non-verbal reasoning, which is the kind of shapes and which shape comes next or the, um, you know, the ABC mm. and all that sort of stuff. And you're kind of, which one of these fits in? I, I quite often sit with him and do that. And some of them are really difficult. I, I sort of remember doing them a little bit at school, but they've really kind of put them on steroids uh, these days. And it's quite it's quite challenging. Yeah, I feel about yeah. the same way about those captures. You know, when you're on the internet and it says, are you a human? It gives you a little puzzle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Pick all the ones with lampposts in. I don't know. Is, it, is this a lamppost or not? <laughs> Feel like I'm going to fail the, or a fail the human or, test. Or. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, no, I'm always I'm always impressed with that. I, I'm, a nine-year-old was doing the thirteen times table oh, today. I was like, oh my god, I don't know the thirteen times table. Anybody else know yeah. the thirteen times? No. I, I can up to three. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. It starts getting common. Yeah, they, yeah. they work them hard. You know, whatever they might be, palindromes, anagrams, isograms. Another one. Um, all good fun, all good fun. But enough messing around with words and the like. We've a podcast to record, guys. And as the man who hated animals once said, as he instructed others to board the train, step on, no pets. That's a palindrome. This week, we're going to be talking about a sketch that introduces a design creativity tool called Smart Little People. It's part of a suite of creativity tools for solving problems using a method called TRIZ. And this tool, Smart Little People, helps designers to overcome obstacles by imagining a team of tiny people all working together, doing jobs that could then ultimately be replaced by materials or software or mechanical systems, whatever. Now, if, like me, very little of this seems familiar, then don't worry, because in Tom and Jono, who are both professional and well-experienced designers, we have a couple of experts who can tell us everything we need to know about Triz and about the smart little people too. 
Uh, you should be able to see Jono's sketch for this on your screen now, but if not, just follow the link in the podcast description. And before we go deep in on Triz, a little reminder that we'll be going through your correspondence from the last week at the very end of this podcast. And if you'd like to send us a note, and you'd be very welcome to, you can email us. Hello at sketchplanations.com. Right then, first up, what is Triz? Either of you, Tommy, Jono, what is Triz? Yeah, what, 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 I, I can give a little history of it and um, I should I pr- probably say where where we learned about it at all, um, which is we did in, Tom, Tom and I both did exactly the same degree pretty much um, at Bath University and we did an advanced design course in our final year, which was really like transforming and really fascinating it was taught by a really cool teacher called Daryl Mann and he introduced us to this thing called Triz and um, so Triz is, a, is a Russian acronym translated into English it stands for like the theory of inventive problem solving and it came from so the story goes from this guy called I'm going to get the pronunciation wrong but Heinrich Altschuler and he was, I believe, in Azerbaijan, but he was—he got a job working in the patent office, and he was a very creative, like, regardless, no, no, no doubt. And but working in the patent office was, I think, really interesting because you get patents coming in, and you're looking at them. So, a patent is—is is you, you've come up with a design and you want to protect it. So you write down, here's the clever bit about this design, and you submit it so it can be protected, so nobody else can copy it. And so you're you're there reviewing these patents, and and every one that you get. Is completely different. So there, you know, one of them's in in farming technology, and one of them's in healthcare, and then then you know the the next one's in TVs or whatever. And what he noticed, so the story goes, is that across all of these different industries and in all of these different individual innovations, people were solving the same kind of problems in the same kind of ways. And a few a few different things came out of that. Some is that technology evolved in similar ways across these different industries and actually like if you were in farming tech well maybe like tvs is way ahead and you could actually just borrow some of the ways that the tv technologies evolved and put them in farming um and another ones was they were solving the same same problem if you abstracted it up a little bit a little level up and so he tried to like codify all this stuff and and essentially made a theory of inventive problem solving so you can like have a design problem and then use some of the tools from Triz to just follow systematically. The idea was always that you just follow systematically a way to get a creative solution to problems. And so is it a a kind of framework to get from problem to some kind of creative, inventive solution? It's yeah. a framework that you can use and can help you along the way. Yeah, and I think over time it's evolved in all sorts of all sorts of different ways. But um, fundamentally, like there are some principles behind it. Like here's some ways of thinking that you might use, and then also some methods. It's like okay, you follow this process, and then there yep. are some individual tools. And I think that like the sketch you picked out today is one of the, like the individual tools. Now I I know like just surface tip of the iceberg, and what I know is through you boys and through what. I've found out um, and from what you guys have told me and it seems really really interesting and I and I I really enjoy the fact that I'm aware of it it does feel it can feel quite academic at times I think and quite heavy but you know as I say I just know the absolute tip and I've never used it Um, but it but from what I know it feels like something actually quite a fun process to go through to help you think in ways that you might not get just sat at a desk trying to go right come on be creative think about this differently yeah i think the standard thing is like i remember one of the bits of philosophy was like no one is as smart as everyone together right like you can sit at your desk banging your head against a problem but you're much better leveraging all of the learnings and the techniques that everybody has done through history in all these different ways and that's what this method was trying to distill it's like let's not me just come sit here and maybe i'll get a creative solution maybe i won't no let's follow so let's figure out what, what all these other people have done and try and apply those to the to the problem tom tom and, tom and i have had i don't know for the last nearly 20 years a random sort of back channel of, of chat where wherever we see like some some cool thing which just fits bang into <laughs> bang into triz i'll take a picture and send it on and we've literally been doing that for 
20, nearly, 20 years. And it's interesting how, years. how things have developed yeah. and they continue to do so. And we keep on seeing examples like, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a nice one. So in, in, in reality, in, in, in the commercial world, is Triz used? And, and if so, who's, who's using it? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's something that... It, it's not one of the most common sort of innovation frameworks or anything like that. Um, so, you know, something like design thinking would be, you know, has a much, much stronger take up. It's not something that's massive. Design thinking, is that another kind of framework? Yeah, and 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 I think I think maybe one of the other aspects about Triz was based on like technical problem solving, right? Mm. So you're you're okay. you've got a an engineering or a design challenge, and of course, if you're working on commercial projects, and this is some of, some of this led to like my media my PhD topic and all that was, it doesn't matter just about the technical solution. It matters whether or not people like it and people buy it or, or whether it fits in with the trends of the time and whether it meets user needs. And so there's all sorts of other aspects, as no doubt Tom can speak to, about what something will make successful. And, and the technical creative solution is only a part of it. And obviously that's where a lot of these things came from because they were from, from mm. patents. So it, does, it doesn't tell you actually how to make a hit product, but it yep. might tell you how to solve a problem in a in a product in a in a clever way so what so what what you said there does kind of ring with what i've read uh, around this a little bit a that large commercial companies probably tend not to disclose publicly how they yeah, solve yeah. their problems for obvious reasons but it has been reported that um Triz has been used by the likes of General Electric, Rolls-Royce, BAE Systems, NASA, Siemens, Ford, General Motors, Procter & Gamble, BMW, Apple, quite technical or tech-heavy companies, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I remember a conference I went to, the best presentation was by some folks at Samsung, right? a massive company, so it's just it's not like everybody at Samsung is doing it, but some people were. And they were right, also- and I, yeah, so apparently Samsung have invested heavily yeah. in ah. bedding Triz into their do. Uh, into what they do it's used throughout the company apparently even the ceo has been trained in no way in uh, in triz apparently in 2003 triz led to 50 new patents for samsung well well yeah. certainly also you can you can mention my company with lord sugar we use it a lot i'm right i'm, I'm so talk, talk, talk us through that john and i are fortunate in the fact that because uh, daryl man was actually only you the University of Bath for for a couple of years. I then went to work for him for three or four years and and worked in the sort of consulting area for about five years um, before then using it to look at nail files originally. So one of my favourite parts uh, of Triz is this idea of inventive trends uh, that things follow. So, for example, one of them is that if something is straight, then there is probably some benefit in it being curved. Like, for example, cars in the 50s, 60s tended to look like a box, didn't they? Mm. They were just sort of straight edges, straight lines. And now you look at cars and they're hugely curved in multi-different directions. Uh, Surfboards. Can can I just just, just to put, yeah, like, it's, I mean, it's massively simplifying it. But but Boeing came out with the Dreamliner recently, and which was, you know, their new massive launch. The main thing it has is curved wings. Like curved up wings, and now I'm sure there's a ton of technology and engineering going into that. But in some ways, to look at it, and you're like, well, duh, the wing was straight. There was probably some advantage in making it. You know, so, and actually, I saw it. We went around the uh, Museum of Flight the other day, um, and and the back. Where's, of, where's that, Johnny? Uh, in sorry, in in Seattle, mm. um, and the the back of the engines where where the exhaust or yeah. the the, they, the jet air comes out. They basically just made it like a frilly edge all the way yeah. around, and it massively reduced the noise coming out of the engines. Wow! And so it's, it's another one where you sort of look at it and you're like, "Wait a second. So, so I'm sorry, Tom. You were saying surfboards. So, at a really simple level, um, a hammer, hammer handles were originally just a straight pole, weren't they? Right. Nowadays, yeah. hammer handles are all kind of shapes to fit the shape of your hand because when you go yeah. to hit something, it's really useful that it has that sort of curved shape so you can hold onto it more tightly and it doesn't mm-hmm. slip out of your hand, right? Um, milk bottles or bottles used to just be sort of straight-sided bottles and now they're all curved mm-hmm. and they fit into the shape of your hand and they're squeezy and they're kind of they look more aesthetic and they look nicer. So 
for my most famous invention, my most famous first invention was my nail file. Nail files were traditionally always completely straight. I used the, the Triz trends and I came up with this idea of a, of a curved shape. I had one that we tested, that I tested that was a pure boomerang and that actually wasn't very useful. But the idea of an S shape meant that it fitted in the hand nicer. It followed the natural shape of the nail. You could use the outside of the curve to get closer in underneath the nail. And so this Triz methodology inspired that idea uh, it was then an unbelievable amount of work to actually bring it to market um and it took a took me a couple of steps i can took me a couple of tries until i you know then went on the apprentice and, and did it like that and it's it's still today so i've been working with lord sugar for 12 years and on amazon it's still my third best selling product that curved nail file it's unbelievable i've been the curved nail file guy for like 20 years now um and that was inspired by a Triz methodology. Do, do both of you use Triz today still in your in your roles? Me certainly. Um, I a, a lot. Uh, I don't know if it's it's sort of become part of my thinking, and um, I don't spend mm. a huge amount of my time sort of inventing. But another aspect which I'll let Jono talk about is is contradictions, and and maybe actually that's an area that he uses a little bit more. Is that another a kind of tool within the framework? Yeah. So yeah, so contradictions is one of the f- sort of fundamental problem-solving methods within um, within Triz, and it essentially says, which makes a ton of sense when you think about it. Like if you want something to be um, smaller, let's say, it, like what's stopping you make it smaller? Something is stopping you making something smaller. So if you want it small enough to fit in your pocket, okay, well it's it's too long, it's too hard, it's too firm, like it's not flexible. What's good, you know? And so there's always something that's stopping what you're trying to improve. And so contradiction, as say a simple example I usually give is if if you want a walking pole, then you want the walking pole to be long. So you want it to be like the full length of your leg so that you can touch the ground and it's convenient. But of course, course. that's not very convenient when you get back to the car. So when I'm back to the car, I'd like it short. And when I... When I'm walking, I'd like it long. So, I think I think I see where we're going here. I've, yeah. I've got a contradiction to solve, and part of Triz says that actually technology moves forward by the resolution of contradictions, where people have found a found a way to have something, some way, a bit more, without the 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 drawback of the other thing, which is opposing that. And so that's that's the contradiction. There's lots, yeah, lots of different. And the, and the thing about the innovative step is that instead of taking the trade off and being like oh, okay, well, I'll make my walking stick sort of long enough that it's okay to use when I'm walking, but short enough that mm. it's okay that it doesn't mm. hit my legs when it's on the back of my bag or when I'm getting into the car. Instead of accepting that trade-off, trying to find a, a solution that is best in both instances. And I think you also see a, you see a lot of contradictions, John, I'm sure in your UX world, where you want the process to be really slick and fast, but you've got a lot of information to transfer at the same time. Yeah, I, anywhere on the web you're finding that kind of thing. Like, um, uh, do you know the at the bottom of a Mac with all of the programs? Yeah. So the, in the program bar, they're very, they're small, and you have they had a thing right, which is you move the mouse towards it. And they get bigger as you get oh. close to it, right? So that right. it's easy. I want it to be small so it doesn't take up space, but I want it to be big so it's easy to select. And so you're like, oh. And actually, I mean, software's an unbelievable place to be solving these contradictions because you can make software do magical things. You know, like I can't just vanish this walking stick when I get to the car, <laughs> but you can vanish uh you know a, a window from your screen digitally yeah yeah i actually often think that you know like you can just clear your desktop on, on online i'm like my god i wish i could just press a button and just clear my desktop for real yeah yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah. flip the desk over and be like right new tasks clean desk but you can't yeah you know, i often wonder well, you like, can translating them <laughs> you can <laughs> I could, but i could then, flip the desk then you got another problem to deal with yeah well then i'd have to stick everything down so it didn't and uh, so on on that kind of subject <laughs> Um, one of the <laughs> principles that was identified as a solution is what's called blessing in disguise. 
so so talking about your your desk uh sometimes um a cleaner might come into our office and not knowing just like clear all my stuff off my desk and i'll come in the following day and I'm like oh my gosh uh where is all the stuff and i'll be like oh but that is really quite nice <laughs> you know, and that's a kind of blessing in disguise that you didn't mean to have it cleared but it's all been cleared for you and actually did i even know all that stuff did i need any of that stuff on my desk there are lots of lovely blessing in disguise uh, um examples uh, but that's sort of a, a similar one that's not and that that's that's almost just a a um like a perspective in your mind an attitude thing just to look at it differently yes just it's it's there and you can either be annoyed at it or you can go oh, actually that's quite good there's yeah. some benefits i had a that. classic one today i i wrote really quite a long and detailed email with lots of links in and then my computer crashed because of something and for it's very unusual these days but i reopened the email and it hadn't saved that quite complicated work i'd done mm. and i went you know what actually i'm not sure i needed to share that with them yet like that's probably a bit <laughs> confusing <laughs> for them so I'm I'm not going to redo it. I'm just going to send it as it is and say, you know, we can talk about the details further. Brilliant blessing in disguise. Yeah. One of one of the other things you, you mentioned, like what is true, is like one of the sort of more philosophical tools. You can do it as a practical exercise. Um, from, from Triz I learned was use of resources yeah. <clears throat> and so you, so again use of resources use of resources so it says okay well well, what what have you got in your system that you can use to, to solve your problem and actually yeah. sometimes it, it's it's changing the idea that actually this thing which was annoying for you maybe it could be something that's useful and help solve a problem and yeah. I remember reading just recently a good friend of ours said that you know um, living down in Devon there is a big server farm and so they've got all these computers which are churning out lots of heat all the time and instead of going okay well we need to bring lots of things in to cool these down it says okay well actually maybe we can take that heat and they're using that heat to send it to the to a building nearby and so you go instead of the result instead of that being a problem yeah you say well how can that be something that's useful that can help me yes. solve my problem and that's one way it's yeah it's a bit more of a mindset shift it says let's not try and let's yeah let's not try and be really blunt here and chop everything away well let's just go well maybe this could be a benefit to me um so again through my research an example i have have you noticed if you've got uh, an internal combustion engine on your car have you noticed that uh, when you go to fill up now, it's a slightly different experience in a new car to how it used to be when um, you used to have to either take your key. So you flip the little bodywork bit back on the hinges and then you'd unscrew that cap, which sometimes you had to push it or how much force do you need to push it? Which way does it go? Uh, and then you put the cap on the roof of your car or on the top of the um, mm -hmm. petrol pump and then you fill up and then you either forget to put it back on or you can't get it back on or you get your hands covered in petrol when you're putting it back on apparently triz was used for the solution which you see on most cars now where you haven't got the the um, cap that you have to take off anymore it's a spring-loaded flap on the fill nozzle from from the underside I mean, that's the thing with like creative solutions. When see, like as soon as you hear them, you're like, "Yeah, well, of course." <laughs> you're like, but, "But why wouldn't you do that?" Yeah, and yet people were making cars, you know, for a hundred years <laughs> without without finding that solution. Yeah. You know, the example in in Devon you're talking about there, using the heat from a server farm mm. to actually using that heat rather than just dispelling it, and then actually probably using more energy to cool the servers down. Mm. Do you think Triz would be a useful tool to help find more climate solutions? Most definitely. And I'm sure those that are involved are um, using using Triz along with other tools. Um, you know, there, there are there are many, many innovation tools out there and frameworks, you know, from your sort of brainstorming to your De Bono six hats to your, uh, as Jono just mentioned, um, and ways of and ways of thinking, uh, and then very creative people who are also sort of very observant uh, and follow through a process. Jono and I were fortunate enough to learn about Triz, and we I personally think it's incredibly powerful. I do really struggle to explain it though, um, or because it can become a bit too too baffling, and it's especially useful in kind of 
technical situations um but the the trends and the innovation principles um are everywhere and are and are very useful to consider in different ways mm. well let's get on to the sketch mm. that but the principal sketch at least um which is a bit a bit of a different format uh this week listeners but i felt it's quite important to talk about trees and understand that before we get into one of these talks by the way has bono really only got six hats <laughs> Um, Dad joke. So the the sketch. Yeah, that's awful. <laughs> it was. Uh, so the sketch that uh, is the principal sketch that you should be able to see on your screens um, is called Smart Little People, as I said at the beginning of uh, of the pod here. Um, so talk to me a little bit about this Smart Little People tool, because I, I the, the reason I wanted to do it from the podcast is because it, it sounds really fun and it's a really fun yeah, little thing to visualise. You're just dropping in this this little army of guys. That, right, guys. Get to it. Fix it. Yeah, I think. Well, let me just—I'll explain what the sketch is. So it's just a problem-solving tool, smart little people, and it. And and the example I gave, well, it says if your system was made of smart little people, how would they solve the problem? And yeah. and I was trying to give this example of uh, blood clotting because I remember this from you know my GCSE biology, which was <laughs> the way these um, essentially like <laughs> strands form over the the top of a, a cut. And the, it's the strands almost like a little net that starts to stop the blood hitting it. And obviously it, it clots and congeals and things as well. But first of all, you just stop the you holding the net going through. So I've got a little picture of the of these little people on either side of a gap pulling something across. And it was meant to be stopping stopping all my little platelets escaping because I've just, I've just cut myself. But I think um, like one of the fundamental things is and why smart little people is quite fun is is most things that we interact with are, are pretty dumb as i say they're not like software you know like they don't they don't do anything special they're just a, a surface and so this it sort of encourages you to go well actually maybe we can maybe we can make this more intelligent maybe we can make this this place smarter perhaps it needs to you know protect against heat or maybe it needs to stick together and instead of it being like just a dumb surface what would a smart little people encourages you to go well maybe this this could be quite intelligent and they could be you could be solving the problem right down at a teeny little level um it's it's one of the uh, it's a nice phrase actually psychological psychological inertia tools uh from <clears throat> that we learned from Triz, and i think the synectics problem solving method has something a bit similar uh, and psychological inertia is a standard sort of thing with, is people get stuck and there's some really fun experiments around around this but people get stuck thinking about the problem the same way and you as you say you're banging yeah. your head i can't see another way in and then this is one of the tools to give you a different way of looking at the problem to maybe spark some spark some new ideas so I've got a lovely example of this, which might might be helpful Go as on, well. Tommy. Okay, so yeah. um, paint us a picture. Cleaning a makeup brush, right? For mm. hundreds of years, people have been cleaning their makeup brushes or cleaning any kind of brushes by putting it in water, dabbing it out, getting their fingers inside, trying to open the bristles up, trying to like flick around and getting towel and doing that, okay? So then you kind of go... Well, imagine you had millions of smart little people. What would they do? They'd run into the bristles and they'd use their little hands to individually grab all the little bits and they'd take those away, right? And they'd open all the bristles up so you could get right into each different bristle. Oh, well, I don't have little people. So is there another way that I can apply force only to the to the muck? And how can I open up all the bristles? And... Actually, in that instance, I happened to have a, a, a nail drill beside me because I was looking into this is a motor that spins. I was like, what if I use that to spin the makeup brush? And what that does is it spins the makeup brush on its axis and then all that makeup and dirt is acted upon by centrifugal force which is just mm. like millions of little people going in there to pull the stuff out. And also every single bristle in itself is spun outwards by the centrifugal force as if you've got lots of smart little people fanning the brush out for you. So nice. the spinning effect is 
doing both things that the smart little people would, would do for you, which is one, opening up all the bristles, and secondly, just taking all the muck, all the dirt, all the bacteria off all those individual ones. Um, and I can't believe that no one had ever thought of doing that before. Um, and possibly it was because of smart little people that made me think, and it was definitely because of use of resources or serendipity. And it was probably a lot to do with serendipity that I had this thing next to me and I got some sellotape and I put it all together and was like, oh my gosh, this works. And then the blessing in disguise, the amazing thing was then when I lifted the brush up out of the liquid, it sprayed all over me kind of thing, but it, it sprayed everything off. And it's like, oh my gosh. And it, and it turned out that actually for people drying of a makeup brush was actually more important or more difficult than cleaning it in the first place. So it's a combination of loads of things, but it's a, a very nice framework tool or psychological tool or, you know, and, and created something that we've now sold millions of. You used smart little people when you invented that, did you? In, in your mind, along with other tools. One of the Tris um, principles is, you know, spinning something or using another dimension. Um, these, I'm, I'm fortunate because I've been using it for 20 odd years. Um, that's just how I, how my brain works that's quite cool it's like like driving a car right you don't think about foot on clutch put into gear release clutch handbrake mirror signal maneuver yeah. you just do it that's what your brain's doing with triz when you come up uh, against a, a problem that's that's pretty cool that tommy Thank you. that's pretty no no wonder your eyes are so mad <laughs> so smart so little people running around inside yeah <laughs> Do you know who I picture when we're talking about smart little people? Have you seen Toy Story? Yes, the army. Yeah. You know the little, um, yeah, army yeah. figures. I think about them. And, and the way that I think about smart little people interacting is the way those army figures communicate with each other as well. Exactly. Where there's that. the sergeant who's dishing out the orders. Right, come on, guys, do this. And, and, <laughs> and another of. great example is um, Teflon. Uh, coatings mm. or something on, on a frying pan. You know, And you can yeah. sort of view that as millions of smart little people with their little you know with their shields up that you you can't yeah. damage me you can't get through me um and it was that kind of way of thinking that um you know, it's a it's a nice example of 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 that surface coating there's um you know the the classic example it came from like copy in nature but the velcro one right yeah Vel, you know yeah. velcro came from the burrs sticking on the dog's fur and you're like, oh, well, these yep. little curved burrs sticking on the fur. And you're like, I mean, but Velcro is, is one of the where you can just imagine. It's like, well, if I have like a surface which is a bit furry, how would I stick this other surface to it? Well, I'd, I'd grab on with these these hooks and I'd have loads and loads of these little hooks with these little people grabbing on. And I just think Velcro's, you know, a bit like that. And I was, I was thinking like, you know, like, you know, fundamentally we talk about contradictions it's just something like Gore-Tex right like a uh, breathable fabrics are such a, a classic thing but first of all you've solved this you're massively trying to solve this con contradiction which is yeah I want to I want to let um, I want to let keep the water out but I want to let air through it yeah is that right and yeah, or or alternatively, keep, keep the water on the outside. You be, Basically, you want porous, non-porous. Yeah, yeah. So I want to like yeah, breathable, that, but not waterproof. Yeah, an amazing contradiction there. Is it a classic example of one? And their and their solution, Johnny? Well, I don't actually. I don't know what the magic of uh, something like Gore-Tex is, but I just imagine like if I was if I made out of smart little people, I'd be like, okay, you know, let the air through, but stop all the water <laughs> how would they do yeah. that but 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 as you say when you say it out loud you're like uh that's impossible and that's oh, yeah. what most people probably thought well that's impossible no one can do that let's let's move on but then if you look into it a little bit more uh, an air molecule is a bit smaller than a water molecule so if mm. you make loads of really small holes then actually air could come out especially with heat and with sort of the, the force of the heat but water can't get in and i think also there's something special about the shape of the hole potentially um and when you start getting down to it, it's an incredible material but it was probably born from that realization that a a contradiction is solvable it's not just about a trade-off uh, and secondly start looking into it in in more kind of detail and more more nuance it's brilliant it's brilliant. And I love I love how fluently you guys speak 
about all this as well because you've got so much experience using yeah. it. It's, like, it's it's lovely. It's really enjoyable to sit back and listen to. We we had um one of the, one of the things I like and remember looking at lots of different solutions is like natural pest control, and I think that's great. Exactly when you mm. mentioned about your little soldiers, I think of those as very you know natural pest controls are much smart little people. Like you know, I've got a field of crops and I've got all these bugs mm. on individual leaves how on earth am i going to do that well i literally am going to send in smart little insects in this case to go in and and pick each one off individually but so you never be able to do that with something like physical or mechanical and i was thinking yeah the, the natural pest control things are kind of amazing it's a bit like it's a bit like when you go oh, i want to you know keep this patch of grass short well sometimes the easiest thing is to get some goats or something or sheep <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but they're, they're not—they're not exactly—they're not little people. They're just animals. But if I may, uh, Rob, am I allowed to take us on to another sketch? Um, yeah, you can. Which do, yeah. is nine windows, um, which is this concept that a lot of the time designer design is just focusing on the product in its main use case. Um, so for example, yeah. uh, a bicycle. I get really quite frustrated with bikes because they seem to only really be. Uh, invented or created for when you are cycling when you're taking them they're not that no, no one in my opinion really thinks about apart from brompton maybe about what happens when you get that bike home like mm-hmm. you live in you a flat in london it. and you get to your bike and you have to tr- put it in the front door and the the pedals just catch on everything the wires the catch on everything the handlebars on literally the everything. wheel turns uh, oil up the wall scrape oil up your, your trousers mm. from the yeah. chain so you're not thinking about, and so the, the concept of nine windows is your middle window is your kind of standard, you, you know, main use case of when you're using it to, to cycle along. But what about afterwards? What about before? What about the, the macro, the kind of the bigger system that it sits within, potentially rain and stuff? What about the micro? What about the, the details within it, like the oil, the fact that that chain is, is going to go? And I really, really work on my, my own personal thinking and those around me's thinking. So, you know, we talked about like my curve nail file at the beginning. Um, one of the things we did, um, is, is adding some tools because before you file or after you file, you might want to clean underneath the nail. So we built in a little nail cleaner that goes underneath. So it uses the plastic and it works. And there's also a, a cuticle pusher at the other end of it, sort of trying to think about the before and the after. Um, and a lot of the products that we now design, like our, our travel mirror, um, it comes with a really nice case to put it in so that because mirrors are so easy to damage and you want a nice case. You don't want to have to like then have to store it carefully. So it's, it's, it's a very powerful way of thinking actually in product design and many other fields. Yeah. I put, I realized I put on the sketch, just practice thinking in space and time and that which nine windows is just a template to make you do that. But just that phrase is quite powerful, I think, isn't it? Practice thinking in space and time. We we always spend, as Tom says, like you're, you're on the here and now. The problem, and but what about the rest of it? You know, I think that's really cool. We should all do that. I think to think of the space and time. Um, I always want to say the space time continuum. Yeah. I'm back to the future <laughs> when I do that. But to think about um, space and time um, uh, collectively rather than as two separate entities. Because a lot of the time, if you've got a problem, it will be defined by one of those um, dynamics, right? Space or time, dimension, sorry, or uh, probably others as well that I can't necessarily think of. Um, So it's very easy to just think in that one dimension. Um, Boys, I think think I'm going to leave it there on Triz and Smart Little People, unless there's any benefits of it that you'd like to like to tell us about either trees or, or smart little people we could literally talk about this for hours and we take we could take individual tools we could you know go you should go to um go to an outdoor store i think the, the clearest example of a lot of the trees stuff is like outdoors equipment because in outdoor Brilliant. equipment the performance and the constraints are so so key 
that you know if you've got an ice axe yeah. it's not okay to have just like a cool looking ice axe no it needs to do the job as well as an ice axe can do when you're on a mountain and so that's a great place to look at mm. all of the uh, all of these inventive principles being applied but um yeah yeah we could talk about them for hours so we should probably leave it there <laughs> i think john am i right in saying that you've you've probably got a few sketches on some different triz tools not just the smart little people and nine windows is nine windows one of the sketches yeah i think i've got at least four other sketches from triz tools yeah i could probably keep going well if anyone's interested i will i will pop them up in the podcast description i will pop links to those in the podcast description so you can check those out as well um yeah but as as i said boys it's, it's really enjoyable for me listening to you guys talk in detail about this stuff it's obviously really important to you something that you you both have a real passion for thank you very much thank you very much guys thank you all very much for listening and if there's one of Jono's sketches up at sketchmanations.com that you'd like us to cover that we haven't yet then uh, let us know um what is there 16 episodes in episode 16 episodes in series one and we're already well on our way in series two um but there's loads up there hundreds literally hundreds um so yeah if you'd like us to cover one um ping it over to us we'll be back in just a moment though to go through the post bag from last week but for now thanks again for listening go well stay well goodbye thanks everyone bye welcome back and we've got time for a couple of messages uh about the car and driving on the road compilation i like calling it that um so i've had an email from jez uh who says that the episode particularly resonated with him because he's an automotive engineer which is fantastic however he points out he points out um a correction not really a correction a clarification i should say that a piston on its own can't turn reciprocating motion into a rotary motion you need a connecting rod and a crankshaft um which Yes, and a pivot you point. You do, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd say it's a, a correction. We should have, we should have remembered that. We, we could, let's say, we could have been more specific about that. But yes, Jez, obviously you're right. Thank you for pointing that out. Yes, um, he says he's sure he's not the only one who's going to point this out, uh, but probably the only one with enough engineering geekery. Wait for it to have a tattoo of a piston, and he sent us a photo of his tattoo of a piston. Uh, on his that's on his gun isn't it that's on the inside of his bicep very cool mm, very cool jess thank you mate I, that's that's got me thinking <laughs> um i had another message from at treacle 75 on instagram they've identified when they use their car horn um for two items either uh for saying oi idiot or it's green uh, they say they have no hesitation in using it and they've again clarified that no, they don't drive a BMW. Uh, which is it was nice to have as well, that clarification. Thank you very much, Treacle75. We've also had a couple of messages uh, about our episode, The Four Pillars of Too Much, episode two, from a couple of weeks ago. And Simon kicks off with an email. Who, who basically backs up everything that we were talking about last week. It says, so true about cramming too much in. Um, I have a pile of unread books, a long list of unwatched programs on my in my list on Netflix, a lot of podcasts I've subscribed to but never have the time to listen. Then there's the music I want to play, the guitar I bought to learn but never play. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves and then feel frustrated that we haven't achieved what we thought we could in the time available. I mean, yeah, it's we covered so much of this last week um and he goes on to say that his, his wife's often saying to him to just go for a walk without headphones or to do the gardening or diy without having something in his ears the whole time um and and this is off the back of uh of what you're talking about i can't remember who asked it last week it was either you tommy or, or johnny it says think about when was the last time you spent 10 minutes or half an hour just doing nothing absolutely nothing and um i think that obviously resonated with uh with simon there 
and thank you uh, TA um, on email um, I really like the section about the news um, I think I'm probably the most ill-informed person um, that there is when it when the news is concerned um but how it used to how you used to keep up with the news via the sort of news at 10 but then with with covid and the wars just sort of all found it just so depressing um that sort of just kind of turned off from it and and now you know really doesn't doesn't really watch or catch up um i must admit i for lent last year i didn't read the news or watch the news at all for a month you gave up I, news i gave up news as my for lent um uh instead of chocolate which i normally do and i must find must admit i did find it quite liberating um what was harder I, what's what's harder giving up news or giving up chocolate that you've done both on different years for lent oh what's harder i suspect actually giving up the news is harder um because it's just what it's that sort of habit because you've always got your phone it's just a habit just to have a look at it the whole time um whereas chocolate i sort of don't feel like i'm eating chocolate until the afternoon at the earliest um giving up both is definitely would be the hardest i think Um, lent still applies if it's the afternoon (laughs) no but (laughs) as as in i don't normally eat chocolate in the morning Oh, that's a lie. I eat from any time after 11. Um, and, but back to the point here. Um, to Sorry, yeah, TA. Also, um, also like the bit about doing nothing, which I think a lot of us have shared, ironically. Mm. Um, and he has an ice bath, which he does three to four times a week. And he thinks that maybe one of the reasons he finds the ice bath so powerful is because he says you literally can't think of anything else other than trying to control your breathing when you get into a nice bath because you're in kind of such pain and uh, yeah trying not to do that yeah I mean that and that that is something that we've seen resonated in in the correspondence that we've had that it was it was a kind of throwaway comment a little bit John it wasn't a main Mm -hmm. feature of of just doing nothing for a while but it's really resonated with people Um, there's just no time for it is there (laughs) there's no time to do nothing <laughs> Thank you all very much for all of your correspondence, however it comes in, whether it's through our email or on social media or however. Keep it coming. We love to hear from you and we get we read through all of them. Um, we don't always have the time to read them all out on the podcast, but I can assure you everything that you send in is read by all of us. Thank you so much indeed. We'll be back next week. Cheerio. <laughs> All music on this podcast series is sourced from the very talented Frank Cinelli. And you can find loads more tracks at frankcinelli.com.